Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. Let's look at Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 11 through 17. This is what the word says. says, I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few men. I hadn't told anyone what God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. By night, I went out through the valley gate toward the jackal well and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem which had been broken down and its gates had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on to the fountain gate and the king's pool, and there was not enough room for any mount to get through. So I went up the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, because as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or the nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. Then I said to them, You see, the trouble we are in in Jerusalem is this. Jerusalem lies in ruins. Its gates have been burned with fire. In order to survive in lean times, and actually to thrive in lean times, the first thing we must do is honestly evaluate our situation. Take a look at what's going on around us and then make good decisions based on facts. Because without facts, there can be no good decision. This is exactly what Nehemiah chose to do, and he chose to make that evaluation by night when no one knew what he was doing. So if you're going to thrive during this time, this very unusual time, you've got to take a hard, honest look at your situation. For instance, if someone has financial trouble and they go to a financial planner, that financial planner is going to ask them about every expense, every debt, every source of income. He wants an accurate picture of where they're at and what they can do. If you hire a career coach to take you higher in your career and to help you change careers, perhaps, he's going to examine all that you are, all that you have, all your education, your talents, and your abilities. If you're in a relationship that's in crisis, an accurate assessment of that relationship is needed. You have to understand the problems before you can bring a solution. Until the current situation is accurately portrayed, until we understand how lean the times really may be, then there's no thriving. We're just stuck in a quagmire. We're stuck here paddling under the water just trying to keep our heads above it. We have to have an honest evaluation of our situation. So that's the first thing we do. Reminds me of the story of the company that had an intercompany softball game once a year between the marketing department and the administration department. The administrative department had a great softball team. They had several Division I baseball players on the team, a couple of co-eds with uh, Division I softball experience, and they never lost a game. They were very, very, very good. Marketing department, on the other hand, didn't have all that. They weren't very good athletes, but they went on the field anyway, and they got slaughtered. One of the geniuses in the marketing department decided to put a spin on it make it look a little better. So they came out with this announcement. The marketing department is pleased to announce that we came in second in the recent softball season after losing but one game all year. The support department, the administrative department, however, had a dismal season winning only one game all year. 
So it all depends on how you assess it, how you look at it. So whether it's softball or something a little more important, you need an accurate assessment of things. Pardon me. Nehemiah got that done. He gave his report quickly and accurately. This is what he said. Look at verse 17 one more time. He said, see the trouble we're in? Jerusalem lies in ruins. Its gates have been burned with fire. He knew exactly what the problem was. Jerusalem had been destroyed. The gates had been burned by fire. The walls were down. So he made an accurate assessment. He didn't sugarcoat it. He didn't wash it over. If you're in a tough time today, accurately assess where you're at. Make an honest evaluation where you're at. Because when you're honest with yourself, you can then be honest with God. And when you're honest with God, it gives God an opportunity to come in and do something mighty for you that you yourself would never be able to do in and of your own. Secondly, we learn from Nehemiah, once we've made that honest evaluation of our circumstances, we should take steps for our comeback. We should prepare for our comeback. Look at verse 17 one more time. You see the trouble we're in? Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. Verse 18, I also told them about the gracious hand of my God upon me and what the king had said to me. Then they replied, let us start rebuilding. And they began this good work. Nehemiah honestly assessed the situation, and then he said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to come back. We're going to rebuild. We're going to do what God has sent me to do. I love verse 18 where he said, I told them about the gracious hand of my God upon me and what the king had said. Today, I want you to understand the hand of God is upon you. The favor of God rests upon you. His love surrounds you. He has not left you. He has not forsaken you. He has not departed you. God has not left the house. He's still there. Would you just reach out right now and say, thank you, Father, that your hand is upon me. Thank you that your favor is upon me. Thank you for the grace of God that covers me, that holds me, that keeps me. You may not know where your next roll of toilet paper is coming from, but I know the Lord God. Amen? You may not know when your next paycheck is coming in, but I know that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. His promises are still true. The gracious hand of God is upon me. That's a word for you today. You need to take it to heart and allow God to encourage you with the fact that he is watching over you and covering you and protecting you and keeping you in his favor and guiding you by his Holy Spirit. So when Nehemiah began these steps to come back, he recognized communication was key. Now remember, he had told no one anything about what he was doing when he did the valuation. But when he came back, then he began to communicate with those in Jerusalem what he wanted to do and how it was going to be done. Communication in difficult times is critically important. It's vital that once we take an assessment of our situation and we come up with a plan, that we communicate that plan. Now, if you look at Nehemiah's plan, it was very simple. In Nehemiah's plan, he waited, he prayed, he started where he was at, and then he seized the moment. That's what we need to do as well. Don't panic today. Don't worry today, but wait on God. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. 
They shall walk and not faint. Wait, I say, upon the Lord. So rest in Him. Wait on Him. Listen to His Word. Heed the instruction of His Holy Spirit. Pray and seek Him as you've never sought Him before and let Him fill your heart and your life with His divine guidance and His divine wisdom for this day and time. So you wait, you pray, and then you start where you are. Evaluate and then take steps to come back from where you're at. And God will allow you then to seize the moment when the opportunity becomes available. At the right moment, at the right moment, you'll be able to communicate effectively what God wants you to do and how He wants to use you to bring that comeback into your life and the life of those around you. When we face economic downturns, it might mean a drastic change for our family. In times of disappointment, it may mean that our joy leaks out. But regardless of what we're going through, we need to understand that when we take steps to come back, God is right there with us. He holds our hand through it. He is determined to complete what He started in you today. Once you've understood what God's asking you to do, once you begin communicating that plan to those around you, then we can see God working in our behalf and giving us wisdom to find the solution to every problem we're facing. One of the most famous verses of the Old Testament is Proverbs 29:18, And it says, where there is no vision, people perish. The Message Bible translates it this way. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. When I read that verse earlier this morning, I thought, you know, that kind of depicts our current situation. People fail to see God in the middle of all this turmoil, and we're stumbling all over ourselves. People are being driven by fear, by discouragement, by doubt, by uncertainty. Can I say to you this morning, our God is not a God of fear. He's not a God that brings doubt. He's not a God that brings discouragement. But rather, He is your righteous right hand. He upholds you with His strength. Do you understand? His arm is not shortened. His strength is not lessened. God is able to help you make the steps to come back today if you'll simply turn to Him and allow Him to lead you through it. We need to understand when we can't see what God's doing, we stumble all over ourselves. But when we see what God is doing, when we can see that God could use this virus to turn people around the world towards Him, when God could use this virus, think with me for just a moment. There are people watching this service and tens of thousands of other services on Facebook Live, on webcasts, on Instagram Live, all these mediums of media. They're watching them today, perhaps that have never tuned into a gospel message before, never seen a church service before, who would never walk through the doors of this church or any other church. But today, because they're stumbling all over themselves, they're looking for hope, they happen to stop on that one broadcast. And because of that, the gospel goes forth, life goes forth, lives are changed, and literally, because of what God is doing, revival could occur around the world. Oh, friend, don't be discouraged. Look up. He is drawing nigh. Look up. He is on the move in this place. Be encouraged by what God is doing in and through this current situation. And if you're encouraged, then number three, it allows you to be an encourager. What's that old saying? If you see a turtle on the top of a fence post, you know he didn't get there by himself? Well, that's exactly true. 
And if you're going to get where God wants you to go, if you're going to take those steps to come back, you need some encouragement. To get some encouragement, you also need to be an encourager. You need to speak life into those around you. Change your vocabulary. Stop talking about how bad it is, how many are dying. Stop talking about how horrible being in a stay-at-home place is. Stop talking about loss of wages or loss of employment and begin talking about your God. Begin talking about how great he is, how wonderful he is, how precious he is, how faithful he is. Oh, would somebody just give him praise right now? Would you right in your living room just say, thank you, Lord, for being so good to me. Just encourage yourself in the Lord. Encourage yourself so that you can be an encourager, so that you can tell someone else, it's going to be all right. God is in control. See, because here's the principle. The scripture teaches us that cord of two folds is not easily broken. Two strands is not easily broken. When they lie in together, one will keep the other warm. We fight for each other. So we learn from that that encouragement is a real aspect of our walk with Christ. Christians should be positive. Christians should be uplifting one another and the world around us. Be an encourager today. Speak life today. When you go to the grocery store for that 10,000th roll of toilet paper, speak life to somebody, will you? When you go into the, uh, the, the gas station, speak life to somebody, will you? Don't be discouraged. Don't fall into the line of the world about how bad it is, but be an encourager and let God use you. Look at verse 19 from Nehemiah chapter 2. You see, Nehemiah recognized he had the same problem that Ezra had when he came to rebuild the temple. There were enemies there. There were people who didn't want them there. There were people that didn't want them to succeed in their mission. Sanballat was there. Tobiah was there. Geshem the Arab was there. They all heard what Nehemiah wanted to do, and they began mocking him and ridiculing him and the workers. What did they say? They said, what is this you're doing? Are you rebelling against the king? What did they do? They threw fear into the equation. They said, didn't you hear what the king said? Why are you rebelling against the king? He's going to come down on you like a load of bricks if you aren't very, very careful. Listen, I'm not encouraging rebellion today. Follow the direction of the authorities. But what I am saying is don't allow people to paralyze you with fear, to convince you that life will never be what it was, to convince you that everything is going to the dogs. Oh, come on, I'm here to tell you, the virus will die, we will survive, we will thrive, because Jesus Christ rose again from the dead, conquering death, hell, and the grave. And if he can conquer those, he can conquer this. So be encouraged today. Be encouraged. Don't let fear dominate you or direct your lives. I love what Nehemiah said in verse 20. And he said this to the people of Jerusalem. He said, in the faces of his enemies, he said, the God of heaven will give us success. You need to repeat that to the person sitting beside you right now. The God of heaven will give us success. The God of heaven will give us success. Come on now. We're a Pentecostal church. You can do better than that. Put a smile on your face, lift it up, and give a high five to your wife or your husband or your kids and say, the God of heaven will give us success. He will do that if we trust in him. And he goes on to say, we his servants will start rebuilding, but as for you, who's he speaking to? To the enemies. He's talking to those talking against them. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim 
or historic right to it. Now picture this with me. Jerusalem was destroyed over 70 years before by the Babylonians. The walls have been torn down. The temple destroyed. It had been a long, long time since those folks in Jerusalem had seen someone stand up to their enemies. They'd been cowed down. They'd been burdened. They'd been oppressed for years and years, decades and decades. Now suddenly a man shows up and he speaks a different word. A man shows up and says, the God will bring you success. The God of heaven will give us success. And he says to the enemies, you have no part, no claim, no right in the city of Jerusalem. It had been a long time since those folks had been identified as children of the Most High God. But when they heard Nehemiah make that claim, they were encouraged by his courage. Oh, Nehemiah stood there and he said, God of heaven is going to give you success. And those on the outside fighting us, they have no right. They have no claim. They have no inheritance to the city of Jerusalem. It is the city of God. So encourage one another today. We're going to get through this. It's going to be okay. We got enough toilet paper to make it till 2050. Encourage one another today. You're going to be all right. In lean times, the last thing we need is discouragement. Matter of fact, if we're succeeding in any phase of life, we need to be encouraged. That includes the life of the church. We need to encourage one another. We need to uplift one another. So this is my challenge to you today. Take out your phone, go to your contacts. You can get in those right quick. Go to your contacts and then pick five people in those contacts very quickly. Send them a text, send them a voicemail, send them an email, contact them on Facebook or Instagram and say, I love you. I'm praying for you. I believe in you and we're going to get through this. Encourage someone today. And then tomorrow, do the same thing. Five more people. Pick them out of your contacts and send them a note. You say, well, I don't even know five people. That's okay. You can send me five messages. I'll take them all. How about that? My number is 850-545-2410. Send them to me. I'd love to hear from you today and encourage me. Number four, stay the course. Don't get distracted by what's going on around you. What God has spoken to you, his direction for your life, is still his direction for your life. God is not surprised. He's not confused. He's not scrambling to fix the situation. Stay the course. Be faithful. Be loyal to the living God. When Nehemiah and his people started the work rebuilding the wall, they started a 52-day trek of working day and night, working with the instruments of uh, building in one hand and the instruments of warfare in the other hand. There were difficult days. They were hard times. They couldn't plant their crops. They couldn't take care of their families. They were sleeping beside the gaps in the wall. It was a tough thing to do. But Nehemiah was there. He kept them on course. He reminded them, we're staying the course because this is what God wants us to do. So in the days ahead, when you think, I don't know if I can go on. I don't know if I can climb another mountain. I don't know if I can take another step. Would you simply remember, stay the course? What God's asked you to do, he's going to continue to ask you to do. He's going to ask you to be faithful. He's going to ask you to be loyal. He's going to ask you to be an encourager. He's going to ask you to speak life to those around you. Stay the course and get the job done. We'll get through it when we stay the course. I know sometimes feels like, lean time sometimes feels like life in the desert. 
Now, there's some folks that like the desert. I do like the desert, but I don't like driving in the desert. Last year on Run for the Wall, we came out of California, which is desert, into Arizona, across New Mexico, West Texas, all desert, all desert. And when we were in Phoenix, we're in rush hour traffic, bumper to bumper on that motorcycle. And my motorcycle got so hot that I lost all oil pressure there in the desert. I worried about it. It's going to blow up. I'm going to ruin the motor. What's going to happen? At that time, I really didn't like life in the desert and what it was doing to my particular motorcycle. Sometimes when we're going across the desert, we wonder, will the car keep running? Will the air conditioner work? Am I going to make it? Do we have any water? What happens if we break down? And on and on we can go. Lean times, tough times, cause us to wonder, should I deviate off the course? Should I take another direction? Should I try a rest stop? But in reality, God is saying, stay the course. Keep the direction he has called you to follow and follow him. Stay the course. Oklahoma City, there is a most sacred symbol is a tree. It's an old elm tree, over 80 years old. Tours drive from miles around to see her. People pose for pictures beneath that old elm tree. Arborists have carefully protected her. That elm tree you'll see her on posters and on letterheads. Other trees are much larger, much fuller, much prettier, much greener. But there is no tree that is cherished as much as that old elm tree. Why? Because on April the 19th, 1995, when Timothy McVeigh parked a Hertz rental truck full of explosives outside the Murrah Federal Building, just yards from that tree, and then blew it up, that tree was covered in rubble. Also, 168 people died that day. 150 people were injured that day. No one expected that tree to survive. Matter of fact, when the rubble being cleared away, all was left was the, the trunk. No branches. They were all gone, blown completely off. Nothing green on it whatsoever. But they left it as one of the last things to clear. And then they begin to notice something strange happening. That tree that had been blown apart suddenly began to bud. Life began to come up through it one more time. And that tree with its buds pushed away the gray suit and life was res resurrected in that place. That tree known as the survivor tree became the model of resilience, the model of those who determined to stay the course and to push on, to not allow this one act of extreme violence to change them for the rest of their lives. So can I challenge you? Be the survivor tree. Yeah, life may wreck you. You may feel yourself blown apart, but I've got news for you. There is life in you because the life of Christ lives in you. Let that life come forth. Let new buds, new life spring from you today be that survivor. And then lastly, number five, work hard. Look at verse 18. Nehemiah challenged the people to rebuild the walls. The people replied, let's start rebuilding. The Bible says, so they began this good work. They began the good work. They began the good work. What was that work? Well, it was lifting huge timbers. It was massive stones. They used chisels and saws and hammers and pulleys and wedges and sleds. And they had to work as a team to lift those huge weights and to put them back into the wall. Not only that, but they worked from dawn till dusk. And then they stood watch all night, keeping the enemies at bay. They carried their weapons with them everywhere they went. They were prepared for war as they sweated and stained and got dirty and stayed determined. 
Listen, you need to remember this. If God calls you to a heroic task, then you need to expect to work like a hero. He isn't going to do it for you. You got to put some sweat and labor into it. Matter of fact, this is a great time to work on your relationships, to work on your relationship with your children, to deepen and strengthen that relationship. It's a great time to work on your relationship with your spouse. It's a great time to take that honey-do list and get it done while you're stuck at home. No more excuses. Do something. And you know the key? When we choose to put our hand to the plow, it does something for us internally. It makes us feel better. It makes us feel worthwhile. We see things accomplished. So work hard. Think about it. Noah had to build an ark, and it took 120 years to complete. Some say he had to plant the trees before he could harvest them to build the ark. Moses had to deal with stress levels that would have killed most men. Abraham walked across entire nations, convinced to travel only by a dream and a vision that he called his calling of God. David was hardened for battle and struggle by the time he got to the throne room of Jerusalem. Jesus was a man's man. He was trained in Joseph's carpentry shop, trained so thoroughly in spiritual matters that by the time he got to Jerusalem at age 13, he amazed the scholars. Nehemiah is a book that's drenched in sweat, in blood, in tears. And if you dare ask God to answer your prayer, you might expect the same thing. You're going to have to work and work hard. Sometimes when lean times come, we just need to bear down. Trust God. Pray more. Seek God. Believe the Word of God is true. Stand in faith. Walk in faith. Trust the mighty God, and you'll see God do something great for you. This is kind of a silly story, but it's a great way to end this message. It's a story of a man who was driving down a country road years ago, and his car slid off into the ditch. Saw a farmhouse in the distance, so he walked down to it and asked the farmer if he would mind coming and pulling him out of the ditch. Farmer said, sure, I'll be there in just a minute. He showed up with his faithful mule, Dusty. Hitched Dusty to the front of that car and cracked his whip, and he said, Clyde, pull. Then he cracked his whip again, and he said, Buck, pull. Then for the third time, he cracked his whip, and he said, Dusty, pull. And Dusty, that sway-backed old mule that was half blind, leaned into the harness and began to pull and pulled that car out of the ditch. When the stranger saw his car on the road, he said to the farmer, that was amazing, I've got to ask, why did you say Clyde and Buck pull before you told Dusty to pull? He said, well, Dusty doesn't have much confidence. He's old, he's sway-backed, he's half-blind. If he thought he was pulling that load all by himself, he never would have done a thing. I've got news for you today. You're not by yourself. You're not pulling it by yourself. The Lord is with you. We're with you. We're here to help you, to stand with you, to ask God to do great and mighty things in your heart and in your life. Just as the same God stood by ready to help Nehemiah and Ezra, he stands by ready to help you and me today. You made it to the end of the message, and now what? Is God leading you to make a change? Are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ? then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sharer Road in Tallahassee, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Sunday morning service is at 10.30 and Wednesday night service at 7, 
plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.